Um, yeah, we are, as John said, we're wrapping up this week and next week, we're wrapping up our Among Us campaign. So this year, we're, we've started, uh, actually not just this year, since, what, September, we've started a new campaign rhythm. So roughly 13 weeks, they last, and the last two weeks of each campaign, we're, we're talking about one topic in each campaign. This one's Among Us. Um, in the last two weeks, we're calling these Calm Weeks. Okay, so we just came out of two conference weeks where we had tons of content during the week, lots of stuff going on. We had the, uh, we had a couple of keynote digital interviews that I did a couple weeks ago on marriage and parenting. We did worship well here, and then last week we had a course here on emotionally healthy relationships. We've had guest speakers the last two weeks, so there's been a lot happening here that hopefully you've been able to engage with and learn some stuff from. Um, but now we're into calm weeks. So the calendar is going to kind of go just radio silent for the church for the next two weeks. The idea here is, uh, and Sunday mornings too, we're having family services. The idea here is to value rest. Okay. We were thinking about this. We were thinking about sustainability. We were thinking about what God calls us to and how God calls us to be at peace with him and to rest in Christ. And we realized that if we're not modeling this as a church with our whole structure, then we can't really expect you guys to do this either. So we value rest, and that's why we're doing this. So we're giving uh, me a bit of a rest. I'm not preaching. We're not scheduling preachers. We're giving our LifeBridge Kids volunteers a rest because they work very, very hard in those rooms uh, every week. And we're encouraging you to use this time to rest to pray, to focus on another practice. So the devotional for the next two weeks is going to be about developing another spiritual practice that will help draw you closer to Christ, okay? Uh, This week, we're talking about putting together our values, and then next week, we're going to talk about um, hospitality and how we can be more hospitable people and what that means biblically. So that's the calm weeks, and that's why we do this. And also, family services, we really love the idea of families worshiping together. So we get it logistically, it's a challenge. Most weeks with the little ones um, who make noise and interrupt and disrupt things, we get it. But occasionally, um, don't. That's my kid, don't. I can tell him not to. (laughs) But occasionally, we love this image, we love this picture, and the opportunity for us to all worship together because we tend to talk about kids and kids' ministry in the church as like the next generation, or the next, the future church is the term that we often hear, which is true to some regard, right? But they're also the church now. So it's good for us to be uh, together and to worship God together. So that's the point. That's what we're doing here. Today, we're going to have a testimony service. So what that means is you guys get to preach. Hey, woo! You've been waiting for this for so long. Now's your chance. Uh... What's the line? Don't throw away your shot. That's it. Yeah. If you're a Disney fan, did I get that right? What's that from? Babe, what's the name of that show? Hamilton. Yeah, the show that everybody's been watching. Yeah, okay. Um, (laughs) I digress. That was pointless. So we're going to hear some stories today. So we want to hear stories. Ian, can you go ahead to the next slide? We want to hear stories about, uh, from your life, that relate to this theme of Among Us. So stories of reconciliation, whether in your family or in the church, relationships that have been strained or tense and then have been reconciled. Uh, multi-generational discipleship. So any stories of, uh, of mentorship 
where perhaps you had the opportunity to mentor somebody and you saw a lot of growth in them or in you, or you were the mentee and went to somebody and had a lot, saw a lot of fruit from a mentorship relationship. Um, and next, anything like discipleship through diverse relationships, where you had the opportunity to maybe interact with somebody from a different denomination, somebody from a different nationality, a different race, something, someone who just saw church and faith different than you, and you had a great experience learning and growing, communicating, and developing a friendship with somebody who's very different than you. And then Lastly, incarnational living. So remember the first part of our series, we looked at the life of Jesus and his incarnation, and we said this is how we should do ministry, that we should be present, we should consider our location. Jesus came to us, right? We should consider our time, where we spend our time. Uh, we should be humble, and we should have passion and compassion for each other and one another. So Darren and Lindsay's story, which we're going to see now to kind of kick this off, um, really illustrates the incarnational living aspect well. So Darren and Lindsay uh, were here. They were stuck here for, they're from, from South Africa. Um, Darren and Lindsay have a house there where they, the Hlu house, they call it, where they um, foster, or no, they've adopted eight children and they're taking care of them. So they're doing amazing work there in South Africa. They were here for uh, like nine months. They got stuck here because of COVID. Their flight wouldn't go home, all of this stuff. So they were here and it turned out to be a huge blessing where we got to know them and we developed really good relationships with them. And we as a church have sponsored them to buy a farm out there for their eight children to learn to work, to be self-sustaining for a lot. Of, there's a lot of good benefits that go along with that. And I was talking with somebody about what we're doing this Sunday, and it was Jim Alexander, and he's like, oh, I just talked to Darren. He has a great story that illustrates this really, really well. So I called Darren. I talked to him yesterday. He told me the story. It's fantastic. Um, so I asked him to just make a quick video and share it. I imagined he'd make like a just like phone video on, on his phone, but man, he went, he went big. So it's him and Lindsay telling the story. I kind of cut it in a few places to keep it a little bit shorter. But we're going to post it on YouTube, so you can you can watch the full story. Um, but you'll see a couple awkward splices in there where I cut the video. But I'll try to. Last service, I butchered the storyline. The yeah, I butchered the storyline and the timetable, and forgot to include some facts that were kind of important to the story. This this service, I'll get them. This is the this is the good thing about coming to second service. I usually fix all of the mistakes that I made first service. But let's hear from let's hear from Darren and Lindsay opportunity to move into this farm that we've been working towards a little bit early. So for the last, for the, for a few days we are carting things over this mountain to the farm from our old house to this new house. And we would always go past this community, this informal settlement called Red Hill. And the idea is that, you know, eventually once we move into this farm, we'll work with this community and we'll, we'll work with the kids. We'll open our surf project or education program to these kids. And we've been trying to find a way to, to introduce ourselves to the community. So uh, we had done some great fundraising when we were back in the States the last time with clothing. And we had taken uh, 13 bags of suitcases back to South Africa to give Christmas gifts away. So we had divvied up the, the Christmas gifts between three different communities and we had saved these gifts for Red Hill, but we never got the opportunity to actually give them away during Christmas season. But anyways, we were, we were taking a load of stuff to, to the farm. So we came over this mountain 
and then all of a sudden, our wheel burst. Our tire just completely burst in the middle of nowhere on top of this mountain. And uh, Darren and I kind of look at each other and we're like, oh no, what, what do we do here? <laughs> so I look over and we're literally right in front of this community. Literally got stopped right in front of Red Hill. And Darren and I are like, well, do we call somebody? Who do we call? There's no one on this side of the mountain. And I look over and I see this sign. It says, Paul's Auto Body. And I look at Darren and I said, I don't know, maybe ask Paul. So Darren gets out of the car and he goes to Paul's little shack. And um, Paul's wife says that he's not there at the moment. So Darren slowly is driving this car and trailer down the hill. And there's, there's sparks coming from the, the tire and, and stuff like that. And finally, Darren just stops. He's like, I have no idea what to do here. So then we sit there for a while and then all these kids start coming towards us. And we're like, oh, okay, this is a good way to, to meet a few kids and, and connect with them. And then we get out of the car and we're chatting and we realize all these Christmas gifts are in the trailer. And so we finally got the opportunity. God gave us this opportunity this total disaster tire blowout gave us the opportunity to give these gifts to these children in Red Hill and share our story and let them know that hey we're gonna be right down the road from you and we'll be back. Paul uh, came uh, running down the road after uh, I had just been to his house and uh, he came and immediately offered his help. He came offering a brand new wheel which you know I was like this doesn't happen so we had we jacked the trailer up and there paul was fixed the tire for us we had we had no money on us at the time so i told paul that we would come back and uh come and say thank you for for his help so we shot into town we came back and i uh, came back and Lindsay and myself said sorry oh said thank you to uh to paul all right, so that's where we're pausing it for now, and then we're gonna we'll pick it up in just a second. But I'll fill in fill in some of the details, and then we'll finish the story. So it turns out uh, from a conversation that Darren ends up having with Paul that Paul's mom recently passed away. She's over a hundred years old. She lives like a little more than two two hour flight from South Africa, where they are, um, and he hasn't seen her in like over twenty years. He hasn't seen any of his family in over twenty years. Um, so Darren and Lindsay decide that they're gonna help him. So they uh, agree to help him buy a plane ticket, to fly two hours, to help him pay his bus fare, and to buy food to, in order for him to get home, to um, be at his mom's funeral, and to grieve her loss with his family. And through that process, they get to know Paul a little bit. And Paul one night calls him at 10 p.m. And he's like, hey, Darren, come over to my house. Darren's like, that's a weird thing. Why would I come over at 10 p.m.? He ends up going over there, and he talks with Paul. Uh, Paul gives him his vehicle. He gives him a welder, and he gives him a, a, a I forget what it's called. It's like a metal beating equipment. Uh, it's a guy that works in auto, in auto body work. Um, and he says, here, take this stuff. I want you to, to use it on your farm to help make your farm better and to teach your kids these skills, these trades, because I see what you're doing. You've just blessed me so much. It's unbelievable. So he wanted to bless him in return. And then uh, 
Darren agrees to take him to the airport, and he's, he's going to drive him there. He'll share that right now, but that catches you up with the story. So the very next day, I had to take Paul to the airport, because I offered to take Paul to the airport. And it was then that Paul opened up about everything. He told me, you know, man, for the past, for the past couple of days, I've been speaking to my brother. And I haven't seen my brother in over 25 years. Back when I was living in Johannesburg, I owned my own business, my own panel beating business. I had three houses and I had a wife. That is when my wife was diagnosed with cancer and passed away 28 years ago. The pain was so unbearable for me that, that I had trouble believing that, there, that God would do this to me. And I couldn't handle it. And I started drinking. That is when I became an alcoholic and I lost everything. I came down to Cape Town in search of, in search of work, hoping that things would get better. But it didn't. In fact, it only got worse. That's how I landed up here in Red Hill. But then as soon as I met you and Lindsay, as I was explaining to my brother, it was like God sent you directly to me. And the only words that my brother could say to me was, that's God. And he's giving you a second chance. And that just like completely shook my world that just by listening to what God has to say and listening to what his plan is and for us to leave our plans by the door he can really show you the true power of his glory and how he will lead you to great people and changing people's lives All right, so we're going to sing a couple songs, and if you guys have any stories after we sing too, um, uh, we'll do open mic and pass the mic around, and, and we'd love to hear your story of what God is doing in your life, whether it be in any of those categories that I mentioned before, something like this. Um, so be thinking of those stories, and if God lays anything in your heart on your heart, we'd love to hear it. Let's pray, and then we'll sing together. Lord, God, we praise your name, Lord, we thank you for the community that we have here, for the love that we can share with one another, that Lord, we we can grow in relationship with you by loving each other. Lord, I pray that our love here would be genuine, that it wouldn't be fake, that it would, it would be true, genuine love that you only comes from you, Lord. So, Lord, help us to love one another well as we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, Lord God, you are faithful. And Lord, when we look at the story of Scripture, we see all of your promises that have come true, especially the Messiah in Jesus. Lord, that gives us hope in your faithfulness. Not this blind hope that things will work out, but Lord, over the course of history, you have proven it time and time and time again that you are faithful. 
And so, Lord, in our stories that we share, we see a glimpse, a microcosm, Lord, of your faithfulness. And Lord, our hope is ultimately in Jesus and in his return. Where you will be fully vindicated. Your truthfulness and faithfulness evident to all. That day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father. Before we begin sharing one of the one of the verses that has really stuck out to me as we were going through Romans 12 through 16 was the simplest phrase in Romans 12. The Apostle Paul says, let your love be genuine. Such a simple statement, but it's a profound truth because it implies that love can perhaps not be genuine. It can kind of be a pseudo-false love. That isn't really love at all, but it's just engaging in a relationship, caring for another simply in a transactional sense. Simply to say, I will help you, I will engage in relationship with you as long as you provide something to me in return. That's not genuine love. That type of love is not the love that should characterize our church. That is the love that should not be among us. Instead, our love must be genuine. And I think if we get that right, as, as Paul says, <laughs> that love fulfills all of the law. That if we just love one another genuinely, that's kind of the big picture principle that if we get that right, that fulfills the law. <laughs> and so we must focus there. And let's spend just a moment just reflecting on our love. First, just just sit and think and ponder and pray on your own heart. Confess to God the areas of your heart and your life that are a hindrance to genuine love. Your selfishness, your pride, your ego. Confess those sins that restrict you from genuine community and genuine love with one another. quietly reflecting and prayerfully asking God who's someone that you need to reach out to whether it's for reconciliation whether it's to establish just a friendship a genuine relationship built on the love that Christ has given us whether it's somebody in this church somebody outside of our church in the community just reflect see who God brings to mind
open it up. If you have a story that you'd like to share, Ian's going to be coming around with the microphone. Michael, he had a story that he was going to share first, so he'll kick us off. And then after he's done, if you have a story, just raise your hand and Ian will come around with the mic. I'm going to talk a little bit about prayer. Um, when you think about it, it, it could be a little intimidating when you're, you're only talking to the creator of everything, and yet he always wants to, uh, to talk to us. Well, what, what if it only took about 10 seconds and you could have his attention fully? Well, this is a story about the value of 10-second prayer. But before I get into that, I do have a scripture for you. But before even that, I have a question for you. Uh, if you're a gymnast, what's your favorite book of the Bible? Philippians, of course. It's okay. We're in church. You can laugh. In the fourth chapter, the 16th uh, verse says, Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known before the Lord. You know, God does want to talk to us. Actually, what he wants is an ongoing conversation about the good things and about the things that are way on our mind, the things that are troubling us. Well, things changed for Kathleen and I about 15 years ago. Uh, we attended a conference, on the International Conference on the Holy Spirit up in Minneapolis. And one of the best workshops we went to uh, was on 10-second prayer. An opportunity was provided after some study uh, to participate in a practical application. On a hot afternoon in a suburb of Minneapolis, our team of 12 went to a busy intersection. Now you got to understand, this is four lanes with turning lanes going towards each other and coming this way. And what we did was to take cold bottles of water and go out and line on the safety line in between the double yellow line. And when the cars stopped for the traffic light, we got the people to roll the windows down and said, hey, it's a hot day. Would you like a cold drink of water? Would you like a cold bottle of water? And by the way, if you've got 10 seconds, is there something that you'd like prayed for, prayer for? Didn't know these people, don't know anything. Say for us, they'd never know me again I look, if I look too foolish. But you did have to be quick, and it's amazing what you can get done in 10 seconds. We did ask each driver if they'd like water and a prayer, and if they said, no, thank you, we just gave them the bottle of water and said, well, God bless your day. So we did sneak in a little prayer for them. Well, that's how it all started for us. Just 10 seconds. Kathleen and I have been doing this ever since, as the Holy Spirit prompts us. And how can God use such a small offering like this? Well, this is what happened a while ago after swimming, swimming at the wellness center. I spoke to a person I hadn't seen in quite a while. They told me that what had been going on in their life and they were genuinely concerned about health issues. I asked if they had 10 seconds 
and could I pray for them? A week later, I received this. Thank you for you. You are so gracious, genuine, and kind. And while you may not realize the impact your kindness has on others, I'd like to share that impact that you made and had on my day, my week, and my last eight months. I've been carrying so much weary, so much, so many thoughts of worst-case scenarios, continuous energy, weighing risks, taking precautions, reading reports, holding my breath. Today, your simple yet profound words lifted a tremendous weight off my shoulders. Your reminder that each day is a gift and, resol and resolve to refuse to live in fear is what I needed. And then your prayer for my kidneys. I felt like you took the time just to wash away my worries and my science mind let go and just felt for the first time in eight months like I could let my heart take charge just to be grateful. My mom always told me, be present. You were present, and the first time in a long while, I was too. Thank you sincerely for extending your kindness my way. What a blessing you are. You never know how God's going to touch a heart. Ten-second prayer is a great way to do it. And sincerely let someone know that you do care for them. Try it. The blessings go both ways, you know. So as the scripture verse said, be anxious for nothing. Take it to the Lord in prayer. great reminder first of all there are warm enough days where you want a bottle of cold water but also just how a simple being present 10 seconds of recognizing the moment and being willing to pray for somebody can have an impact on months of their life where they feel heard and the thing that comes to mind for me is in, in the letter that he read was Genuine love, I think, gen most often expresses itself in just a desire, a desire to be with somebody. Does anybody else have a story they'd like to share? True story, Tuesday morning, boy called us and he says, can you help us with the kids? So we're driving down from our house to put there and we see a truck stuck on the side, a semi stuck on the side of the road, just about two o'clock. So we stayed at Wally's, helped them till about eight o'clock at night. We come back and the truck was still there. 
So Sandy goes, we'll stop and give him offer some water and see if he's okay. So I come out with water to him and drink that way. And my hearing's not so good, so I'm trying to talk to him. And I says, you need help? He goes, yeah, he's looking for a TA station to get a truck part. And I said, well, if you turn on 50, you go 24 miles this way, you'll run right anyway. He goes, no, you don't understand. My truck doesn't run. He goes, it lost the air regulator through that way. So we went to Sandra. I go, I guess we're going to Kenosha. So we got in the truck. He goes, you don't believe? He goes, just 10 minutes ago, I was praying for somebody to come by and help us. And then he goes, look who showed up. <laughs> so we end up going to Kenosha. Couldn't find a TA station to go through that way. So I go, he says, I know there's one in Sturdivant. I go, we're going to Sturdivant then. And I go, are you sure it's open? He goes, well, it's a truck stop. You would think it's open 24 hours. So we drove now, it's 10 o'clock at night. We drove to a TA station. It's all black there. So we go, why would a truck stop be open? It'll be closed. So we drove around to the front. We couldn't find it. We started coming back and we just seen a guy in there. So we stopped and said, hey, what's wrong here? He goes, our roof just collapsed. It's a brand new building and the snow collapsed it. It's closed to go through that way. And he goes to the truck driver, he goes, well, how'd you find out about us? He goes, well, I called and you guys said I had this part. He goes, our phones haven't worked in 24 hours to go through that way. So we end up getting the part, driving home, took five minutes to get it going. So he kind of tried off me money. I said, I don't want money. Let's go that way. So he goes, take it. But he, had, he said he had a load he had to go to, he had to drop a load off at 4.30 in the afternoon in south side of Chicago. He goes, he couldn't go to all, get a hold of this, the station. He couldn't find out and tell him he was broke down. He couldn't find that way. And we hope he made it to go that way. But he says during his whole trip so far, he says he had replaced his truck radiator or his truck regulator or his alternator, his air regulator and all the batteries in his truck because it's been so cold out. And when we stopped, it was five degrees. And he was just probably good to be there for the night. He's sitting down for the night. But he's been there since he said it broke down at one o'clock in the afternoon. And nobody stopped. So that way. So he's come back and he tried to offer money and he goes, You don't understand. He goes, I called an Uber driver. He goes, I went and got a part. The Uber driver cost me $150. And I got the and I had the wrong part. So he had to climb underneath the truck and take the part off. And we took the part to Jay to make sure it was the right part. But that just happened Tuesday to go that way. Thanks for sharing, Dan. Thanks for another great story that still illustrates the ministry of interruptions as a minor interruption can have a huge impact on somebody's lives. It's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Does anybody else have a story they'd like to share? Yeah. Uh, there really wasn't much uh, discipleship or prayer going on in this particular story, but I thought it was relevant. Um, Twice over this past winter, my car has gotten stuck once in the driveway, and 
within a minute, within a minute, a truck pulled up and they got out and started digging me out before I could even get out and tell them what was wrong. And within five minutes, they had me out and I was like, thank you. And I felt like uh, the community that we have here in Burlington is, must be really nice. And I even forgot to ask their names and stuff. And they were gone and because they had someone else who they needed to help get their, tr their car out. And uh, I felt very blessed by that. Um, then, uh, again, later, a few months later, like a week ago, I think, I, uh, on my way home from work, I forgot, wasn't sure which turn to take, and so I kind of made a last-minute turn and swerved into the bank on getting off the highway. And every car that was behind me stopped to, uh, stopped right there to help me, and it, I mean, I could have called AAA and it wouldn't have cost me much, cost me anything, but it, the, the fact that they were all so generous and so willing to help really touched me in a way that, um, really affected, it, it, I hadn't really realized how generous the community was around here, because they, they stopped and they st stood around and they helped and they, someone had a, uh, a rope and just tied it around my tire and pulled the car out and I was I was kind of bewildered by how uh, willing all these people were to help uh, seems like this past year has actually brought people closer together and been able to get people to help out others who are in need and I felt really touched by that uh, I, I did pray for them after they left but I didn't didn't even occur to me to do so to th thank them like that again um i just thought that would be a, a good story about people around here that's great thanks for sharing right over here Ian. yeah that's i was going to say to daniel's story that's one one uh, one good thing about all the wretched winters here is great opportunities to to help and be generous so thanks for sharing yeah, so uh, when I, so growing up, I always felt uh, a little closer to my mom than my dad, and um, thinking about stories of reconciliation, I, when I was out of college, I think, um, working at a Christian camp, I had a chance to learn about the five love languages teaching on love, and processing through that, and uh, you know, realized, like, I have a bent toward a similar love language or style or appreciating love, hearing it the way that my mom did. And I look back and kind of um, considered like the way that my dad showed me love. And I think mine is probably quality time, words of affirmation. My dad's was acts of service and gifts. And uh, I kind of started to process through my relationship with him and think through like how when I was growing up, he would coach every sport that I would play. And then uh, he would also, after I stopped you know, playing sports and got a little bit more into music, he would buy instruments that I, uh, that I played and it, he just wanted to show me love in that way. And I had kind of looked at it through the lens of, uh, you know, I, I only want to receive love in this way and how come you don't love me the way that I need? And uh, that teaching allowed me to kind of reconcile both in my mind and then legitimately in our relationship, um, how I love my dad and how I received love from him. And not only like living in that tension, but then after that, just see the way people around me do. And um, I think God's also used that to help me see how he shows us love. And he even will specify like the way that he needs to show love to us 
based on how we're wired. And so thinking about just reconciliation, that's been a blessing to kind of learn that teaching and to walk in it. Um, so I encourage you all, if you haven't heard that kind of teaching, to check that out. I don't know if you guys have gone through that here, but thanks. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that is very powerful. Very good stuff. We talk about a lot in premarital counseling and stuff. It's fantastic. All right. With that, let me pray for us, and then we're going to stand and sing a couple more songs together, and then we'll close. Lord, God, we thank you for these stories, these stories that represent, Lord, that represent what community can look like and how we can love one another and care for each other. Lord, I pray that you would that you would help us to see the areas in our lives that break down community that we need to repent of and surrender to you. And Lord, you'd help us to, to love one another well, like you call us to, Jesus, and the way that you demonstrated love for us. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.